Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, well, um, I am excited to have you here, Tamika. Uh, today, on today's show, we have uh, Tamika Bazell. But before I dive into that, I want to welcome everyone to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Now, this is not um, a season per se. Uh, we'll definitely be back uh, next year with a season. But this is a, a bit of a podcast special where we are looking at uh, the best of 2023. So I'm excited to have you on here. Um, and this is actually our first time meeting. So that's kind of cool. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the makeup of the podcast, honestly, is from so many people that I like I literally know. But um, I feel like um, on LinkedIn, I've been following your content. And I think that you do uh, just an amazing job with giving your perspective, which I know could be really, really vulnerable. Um, and um, I was like, I want to have her on the show. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride with LinkedIn so far. Um, but these are the types of connections that I absolutely value um, that the platform brings me. So I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, on today's show, we have a social and content strategist and current manager of social media strategy at Time. Um, she is a Brooklyn shout out to Brooklyn, New York native. Um, and her career really has scaled from not only establishing her own business as well as social uh, uh, media management consultancy, but also launching a ton of different women-led um, brands as well as initiatives over time, which has truly been outstanding. She's also a content creator as well. So we'll definitely dive into that. Um, I do feel like we are starting to move into a day and age to where, you know, at one point, I think that there was a lot of social media strategists, but they weren't on the other end. So I think that that's pretty cool. Um, she's been featured in Business Insider, MSNBC, CNBC. I mean, so the fact that you are gracing us with your presence on my little old podcast, oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, please. I'm very excited to be here. Look, I, I collect things like infinity stones, okay? So the more I like to be seen, so hey, I'm here, but I am really happy to be here. Your show has been absolutely fantastic, and you have had some heavy hitters as well. So I am absolutely humbled to be here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, with that being said, welcome to a dose of black joy and caffeine. Um you know, when we when I started this podcast, I really started it because I think that I wanted to see more of us just in general, really having these conversations and also talking about just how we got started. How did you get started in this industry? That is such a good question. And it, it's it's a convoluted one <laughs> um, because my career actually started in higher education. So um, I have my master's in higher ed. Um, I Pretty much, I spent about seven years in higher education, um, both part-time as a grad and full-time as a full-time professional, um, ultimately overseeing students in residence halls and then moving on to the disciplinary process. So vastly different than anything that I do today. Um, but where my career in socials really started was 
as you know, like education is notoriously underpaid. Um, I might have to say that higher education professionals are even more underpaid and overlooked in terms of what their value is um, mm -hmm. in terms of student development. Um, and so I needed a way to be able to make ends meet. And I am first and foremost a millennial. I spend all of my extra time on social media. Um, I think the, 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 my first social media was MySpace and I think I maybe was about 10 when I got okay. it. <laughs> so okay. um, I decided to start doing social media management on the side as a means of really being able to supplement my income. Um, and ultimately within a year, that grew so much um, that I moved into social media strategy. I went from helping just like solopreneurs to helping small business owners to supporting and consulting with agencies. Um, and it just really took off in a way that I absolutely did not expect it to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still continue to value it as sort of like a side hustle yeah. uh, for what I was doing. I was in a space where like, you know, I got my degree in higher ed. I wasn't really comfortable with like kind of starting over or what I felt like would be starting over if I did decide to leave the field. And I don't think for a while that it was even a, an idea or a thought in my mind mm -hmm. um, because I was just so, what I would say like comfortable in the space that I was in, right? Like I was finally making enough money. Um, but after the pandemic, I realized that I was starting to out earn what I was earning in education. And so it, if I was going to make a change, it would be now or never. Um, yeah. So in 20, in early 2021, I decided to leave higher ed and I transitioned into corporate. Nice. I love yeah. that. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing that journey. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but you used the word strategy a number of times, you mm -hmm. know, I think while speaking, if you had to describe to someone, I think how to create a social media strategy, where would you start? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I always say you always start with who you're talking to. Um, and that will tell you which platforms to be on. That will tell you what sort of content you should be posting. That will tell you what sort of voice you should have. That should tell you what sort of person to personality you should portray. Um, and I think everything starts off with who do you want to be in your audience and who do you expect to be listening to you? Um, so over time as a strategist, I have always kind of surmounted B2B versus mm -hmm. B2C, right? And you're if you're directly talking to a consumer, um, and I describe it the same exact way for influencers or creators as well, um, then you know that there are going to be optimal platforms for the type of consumer that you are talking to. Beauty, health, fashion, ain't nobody talking about that on LinkedIn. So... <laughs> So we yeah. know LinkedIn is going to be X'd out, right? Yeah. Um, but in my regard, like I talk a lot about strategy. I talk a lot about kind of like the underlying effects of social media, both on the users and the creators alike, right? Um, and that definitely has a really great audience on LinkedIn um, because we are the ones that are really dissecting the, the what we're doing versus just kind of living it. Um, yeah. So that is a perfect platform for that. Um, and of course, if you're looking on the B2B side of things, we know B2B is also LinkedIn and Twitter, right? Like those are where businesses thrive. Those are where CEOs and founders tend to hang out um, and exchange information. So it really comes down to who you're talking to and knowing what platform to find them on. I love that. Thank you so much for, for sharing that um, and on amazing insights as well. Um, so, you know, I wanted to have you on the show today because we are calling this the best of 2023. And so what we've been doing episode over episode is talking with our guests about their top three best 
albums from Black music artists for the year. If you had to name your top three albums, you can do them in order, starting with three and number one is the best. What would you say are the top three albums of the year for you? This one was so hard. And like, okay, so I, when I was preparing for this question, I was like, damn, I don't want anybody taking my black card, right? So, so okay, no, no, I listen. Like, there are like the quintessential black albums, right? And like, those are like your holy grail albums. And then there are like, I'm very much like a sad girl vibe, R&B, like, I want to be crying. I have a great man, by the way. I want to be crying all the time. I want to be sad. I want to be in my feelings. So. That was definitely like a, a a dichotomy for me trying to figure out okay like what are my like quintessential black albums period and then what are my like top three um i would say that like for me top three are always going to be r b right like we're and always gonna go too, let me say this we're gonna give out your instagram handle but don't worry <laughs> Those black joy handle is ready to respond to anyone, <laughs> anyone that may be in your comments going crazy. So we got yeah. you back, Mika. We got you back. I love it. I love it. So yeah, if I had to go like for the culture black albums, of course I would have to say like the miseducation of Lauren Hill has to be up there, right? Okay. Like that is pretty much my upbringing as a black woman in America. Um, we have to go with a seat at the table by Solange, right? Like. Yeah giving us perspective, giving us like the opportunity to be seen, um, the opportunity to be heard. Um, now for me and my sad girl authority, my favorite album is, and that I can listen to from beginning to end has to be Neo, Red. Oh, wow. Red album, yes. Um, okay. I would 100% listen to that from beginning to end and sing the whole thing. Um, I also have to say, um, Kalani's albums also hit every time. Um, CTRL, SZA, look, we wanna be vibing, we wanna be sad, we wanna yes. be like heard. Um, and that is very much where my energy and my vibes lie. Okay. Um, so I would have to definitely put those up there. Absolutely, and we'll take that, especially this year. I believe it was the 20th anniversary of the miseducation yes, of Lauren Hill. It was, yep. Um, I'm not sure. Did you have a chance to get to the concert or no? But as a social media buff, um, there was just so much around that concert because yeah. fun fact, she cannot sing the songs the way they are sung on the album, um, because she no longer has a contract with the uh production company that created and they own all the rights to her music. Yeah. Um, okay. So a lot of people were actually very disappointed going to the concerts because she's saying the songs completely different, um, not knowing that it is because there's a lot of legal elements behind wow. that album. Yeah. Um, and how's that for a dose of black culture, right? Like really understanding yeah. all of the ways that like we don't know how we're doing a disservice to ourselves and we're signing these contracts. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then just 20 years later, now these conversations are coming back up. Um, so I really wish, I really wish somebody could have been there for my good sis 20 years ago before she signed that contract. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that, you know, and we continue to even see that today. I mean, you talk about Lauren Hill, but I even think that, you know, even with the recent um, news, you know, with TikTok creators and oh, dancing, yeah. when it comes to, you know, content just still being stolen. Yep. Have you seen any advancements in that area that you think that we're moving forward? Or do you feel like, you know, when it comes to black creators as well as content creators, um, you know, there's there there's still those issues that they're facing. 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, it's also something that I'm very vocal about on LinkedIn as well. And no, I don't think that there have been many strides that have been made. Um, yeah. and I think that that will be something that we as Black creators have to stand 10 toes down on, um, yeah. especially when it comes to like, one, being adamant about being cited when people are using our our uh, our sounds, are using our colloquialisms, are using our phrases. Um, one of my most popular LinkedIn posts to this date was talking about the discrepancy between folks thinking that AAVE is Gen Z slang. Um, mm -hmm. And like, be for real, okay? Like, none of them are that creative. Like, they're not, yeah. <laughs> like, no. Um, and just really having a lot of those conversations and bringing a lot of those elements to light is going to be the first step um, in addressing a lot of this, but it also comes down to us being willing to stand 10 toes down and say, no, like I created this dance. I created this sound. I created this phrase and I want you, I need you to cite me when you are using it. Yeah. Um, and no longer letting things like that roll off of our shoulders. Um, because we very much are the culture setters and a lot of what social media is today. Um, and not even half of, the honor goes back to the black people who are creating a lot of this culture. Um, so I do think that it's gonna be something we need to continue to fight for. And I'm hoping that black creators are ready to embrace that fight. Yeah, I think so. I appreciate it. You know, you're so well knowledge, I think, you know, in general, when it comes to social media industry and field, and it's also still, you know, very, very fresh. Um, growing up, I guess, in your household or family, did was that a common profession in terms of media or are you kind of starting, you know, the, the legacy of that, uh, you know, with yourself? How, tell me about the environment growing up. Yeah, that's such a good question. I wish my mom was here to hear it. Um, but um, I grew up two parent household. My parents are actually immigrants from Haiti. Um, so I'm first generation Haitian American. Um, and so growing up in my household, it was three things, right? Like leglis, lekol, lakai. So, <laughs> That's school, church, and home. <laughs> um, I am the oldest of three, so I was very much given a full blast of what I would consider like that Haitian culture. Um, okay. Really, like you focus on your school, you focus on your education. That is your primary responsibility. Everything around social media for me growing up was actually ways that I was breaking my parents' rules. So when I got on MySpace at 10, like my parents bought me my first desktop computer. It was in the living room, and that was their way of being able to watch what I was doing at all times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, you know, kind of like getting around the immigrant like element, they didn't fully understand everything I was doing. So I was able to kind of like sneak and create a little MySpace page, you know, um, <laughs> sneak and get onto Black Planet. And that's really where my experience with social media has first popped up. Um, but it was very much a source of contention for me, like with my parents going into being a teenager and like they didn't understand why I was, they felt like I put too much on the internet. They felt like I spent too much time on social media. Um, even like when I started my business, my parents were so excited that it was doing well. And then when I was like, I'm going to be leaving this field that I got my master's degree in to pursue social media as a professional, you know, in a different setting, they were terrified because they were like, this isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. you have two degrees like we you've done everything we've asked you to right and and you've reached what they would consider success i had a stable job um i had a you know i had an apartment i you know for them that was you are done 
Mm-hmm, we're done mm-hmm. raising you, you're done. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was like, well, no, I'm unhappy. And and this has always been my source of happiness. This has always been something that I have been naturally good at. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't debilitate me and deplete my energy the way other work would. Um, yeah. So it's definitely been an uphill climb, definitely. Um, and they, they're learning every, every day. But 10-year-old Tamika would be flabbergasted to be <laughs> listening to me talk today because it was always a fight with them always no listen i can only imagine um and but you know i think so much of that is like the journey and it's a makeup of our story yeah. um i think that sibling order eventually starts to play a huge role in uh, the makeup of who we are um with you being the oldest do you feel like you being the oldest really prepared you for um your leadership style in the business world yes oh you are really good at this okay so <laughs> you're really good um Thank you. yes absolutely um i am the oldest of three so i have a younger brother who i am seven years older than and i have a younger sister who i'm 17 years older than wow. yes um and so i very much had to kind of play what i would consider kind of like that third parent role um and not in the sense of my parents were very loving they're very giving they're very like present um but because we come from an immigrant family i was very much the guinea pig when it came to american culture and kind of helping my family assimilate to a new normal um and that was very much a tug of war like because for them they're in their minds they were like we didn't bring you here to americanize you that's not why we came here (laughs) and meanwhile i'm over here like so but you stand for yeah. <laughs> but I could tell based off of us getting to know each other, I could tell you still have that tradition in yeah, like, you know the traditional yes. yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And it's funny that it even happened that way. So out of my siblings, I'm the only one who was fluent in Haitian Creole. I'm the only one who like, and 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 my mom will say like my brother is really starting to come into himself as well. Like when I go home, I want authentication meals. I want authentication music. Like I want to be in my comfort zone. and back in my bubble of like what i know to be home and that is very much like culturally sound to me Mm -hmm. um and it's funny because growing up a lot of who i was was trying to get them to find a middle ground with me um, Mm -hmm. when it came to assimilating into american culture Um, but i can also say that that has given my brother and my sister a lot more opportunity to invest in things that they might want to do and they might want to see without getting the same tug of war that I did. Um, so as much as I have just a lot of like, uh, I, I look, my therapist has heard this, all of this. Okay. So I've done all of the unpacking that I need to do. Yes. Um, <laughs> but as much as I have, you know, just sound resentments about like little things growing up, I'm also happy that what I've been able to achieve with my family has allowed my brother and my sister to really be able to shape the lives that they want Um, and to go after the things that they want as well, because I think there's more than one path to success. And my parents were doing what they felt was, you know, important at the time and they were sold the American dream and they were trying to bring it that for us as well. And now they are also learning that there is more than one path to success um, and they're seeing us completely different because of it. Oh, 
I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I mean, I, I feel like you are well on your way. You know, there's there's a new um, narrative and also I think a new ladder that is being set for people within um, social media roles. And I would love to get your POV on that. You know, you mentioned that, you know, you're six years, you know, into doing what you're doing today. Um, but do you feel like there's now um, new doors that are being opened to where people that are social media experts do have an opportunity to reach the level of a CMO and or, you know, CEO, vice president? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think there's still a lot of discussion around it, right? Like the, the role of social media is still such a creative role. Um, a lot of who we are um, foundationally comes down to the illustration of what we are trying to portray for a brand. Um, and so I am 100% wholeheartedly believing that social media professionals can absolutely become CMOs. Um, yeah. I do think that there's a conversation around whether we will want to be CMOs because yeah. it's such it's such a large oper like operational like role. Um, and I can't think of anything that would be more like boredom inducing. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I for one would love to advocate, and this is a conversation that I've also had on LinkedIn as well, is I would advocate for, you know, in the future, a, a CSO role, like a chief social officer role, um, that really starts to understand the, the intersections of what social does for a brand, um, managing like the budgeting, growing the team and really being able to see like the impact that this has on marketing. Um, I would say in comparison to a lot of other marketing avenues, such as email marketing, SMS marketing, um, socials has its own tributaries. You have influencer marketing that falls under it, paid social. It very much has the opportunity to become its own like CSO role. Um, yeah. and I'm really excited for brands to, to start to embrace that. I love that. I love that. Super, super knowledgeable. And thank you so much for sharing that. I don't know if you heard all the pings going off, but that's actually all my social media notifications. Period. Oh, we love too. notifications. Okay. You know, I'm a social leader, social expert. Um, but, you know, I think speaking of, you know, news updates, this is the best of 2023. Are there any moments within Black culture that stand out to you as, wow, that happened this year that you feel um, either moved the culture forward, maybe moved the culture back or and or, you know, was a celebration of just Black culture in general? Yeah, so many. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, this year was the year to be Black. Okay, so, <laughs> so this was definitely it. Um, yeah. At the top of the year, Rihanna Super Bowl. Yes, the, the full red outfit. It it just gave. It gave and it gave and it continued giving more and more and more. Um, and I absolutely love seeing that. I loved seeing her relationship with ASAP Rocky. I think what Rihanna and ASAP are doing is like a new narrative for Black people, right? Because a lot of the time we tend to fall on two different sides of the spectrum, right? Like the people who are afraid of like just baby mama culture are like marriage, then children, do it this way, only way yeah. right. Um, but what I love about Rihanna is that, and, and she exudes this energy of, I have given myself a foundation of success. Yeah. And now I really want a man who could, I can share it with, um, who does not take that away from me, right? Who knows that like, I am the prize. Like, yeah, <laughs> I am the prize, right? And he is here to give me my babies and 
make sure people know that I'm the prize and really dote on me. And ASAP Rocky is so handsome and he does that so well. And it's just not often that you come across men who appreciate and are willing to give their woman the spotlight in that way. Um, wow. So everything from her performance at the Super Bowl to the pregnancy announcements to the pictures that they've taken just exudes the energy of he is so proud to be with her. Yeah. Um, and I think that is so important for black culture to, in black culture for us to see. Um, because there is oh, no. I mean, what, man, I mean, listen. If I was, if I was that man, I, I'm taking that back. Like, seat. If <laughs> I was that man too, I'm taking several seats. Please, <laughs> please. And I yeah. always say this. I think that there is very much more than one way of doing things, and I think it's definitely important in Black culture for us to be able to appreciate that um, yeah. and just take things for what they are, versus trying to it kind of like put our own narrative of what we consider right versus wrong um, on other people. Um, so that's definitely going to be like just one of the biggest pop culture moments that I was like, this is I good. love it. Okay. I absolutely love it. Um, I would say just kind of going off of like the other side of the spectrum, like big pop culture moment that is, I think, under discussed by black people. And there's for a few reasons, there's a few reasons related to that, um, is the Lizzo controversy. Mm. Um, and I think that's under discussed for black people for a few reasons, but one of the biggest being fat phobia. Okay. Um, and Lizzo has always been a girl's girl. She is 100% has always stood up for all black women. Um, I feel like she exudes the type of confidence that people do not like to see from fat black women. Um, and I think for me as a woman who is not fat, it's important for me to recognize when other women are doing the work to create equity for all of us, um, especially when they don't look like what society would consider like just what society considers sexually attractive because that is a very big thing for women. Um, our respect a lot of the time only goes as far as people are attracted to us. Um, and that is something that I feel like Lizzo over the years has done well to really combat um, is she's gonna respect herself and whatever you do is whatever you're gonna do. Um, but I think the conversations around like body positivity and body equity um, and body autonomy, especially in regard to like what's happening with that controversy is definitely under discussed in the community. And I cannot help but think that if Lizzo was somebody else, this would be more of a conversation, right? There would be more of a dig to find the truth. Like yeah. what is happening? Are we trusting? But I think, I think it comes down to like, people were looking for a reason not to like her this came out and so everybody is like we're we're gonna take it as true yeah um and that is something to me that is a harrowing reality of being a black woman in this country as well um yeah. is that if you are not the type of black woman that i feel like evokes respect everyone is very quickly like quick and willing to turn on you no matter what is happening um, and I don't want to take this away from the victims either, right? Like yeah. there is very much a real chance that this has happened to them and that this is something that is traumatic um, and that they have to face. But I can't help but think about how under discussed this entire controversy is in the black community in comparison to like Cardi B and Offset breaking up for like the third time. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And yeah. like, for me, it's just it's just so harrowing how quickly some things get hushed up in the black community versus things that we continue to discuss and harp on um, and why that might be a thing.
Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, I think that that is the first, um, you know, in terms of Lizzo, I think it's one of those, it's one of those things where you're kind of testing culture, cancel culture, which I have to ask you, do you think cancel culture is dead? Absolutely not. And it can't go anywhere. <laughs> it has to stay. Yeah. Um, and I think that for a few reasons, right? I think a big, you know, cancel culture, although it came up in social media, um, it actually transcends social media. Yeah. Um, because there is a very real reality that cancel culture is actually akin to what I like to call like the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and the court of public opinion has always existed, right? Um, but the difference is, is that now with social media, which everyone in a sense or majority of the world has access to, um, it seems so much bigger because there is more opportunity for everyone to be discussing topics at hand and kind of weighing in on different topics at hand. Um, but we think a lot about like issues around like sexual assault and how often and how little men who commit acts of sexual assault are actually brought to justice. Um, and for decades, for centuries, women have, has, have only had the court of public opinion um, to really sway their direction when it comes to basing a case around sexual assault, because you know for, the for a good fact, your accuser is probably not going to go to jail. Um, yeah. And so now, because of social media, we call that cancel culture. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. and now it is this very real, like, oh, do people deserve to be canceled? Do people deserve to be canceled? I think that one of the biggest realities of being an influencer, a celebrity, or somebody who's in the public eye is the fact that the public also has the opportunity to shape your narrative. Right. Um, and then there is there's the element of, OK, you can control your personal brand as much as you want to. And I talk a lot about personal branding on LinkedIn. And I do think it's very important for black people to take control of their personal brand. Yeah. Um, but that also means taking control of your personal brand in private conversations, in private, you know, like in places where a thousand eyes aren't looking at you. Yeah. Um, so as much as everything has a pro and a con, right? So as much as cancel culture can be debilitating and can be an issue societally, it came up for a reason. Um, and it, that, I mean, the same goes for social media, right? There were so, there are so many cons to social media that we could not predict when it first came up. Um, and now we're ultimately having to address them <laughs> as they come up. Um, but everything has a need and I think cancel culture has to, has to exist. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. I mean, I was I was even thinking about that, you know, recently Kanye is actually going to be releasing an album mm -hmm. on Friday, but yep. I think the hype around it is just so exciting as yep. if there's like these the the news cycles and social it just yep. it moves so fast and um I'm hoping that going into next year um we can just be more intentional, you know, I think of just like the topics that we're talking about. So, yep. you know, speaking of next year and also social media, which I, which it, which by the time that this episode airs, we should see the meme that we see every year of, you know, the one black lady walking yes, into- Yes, yes, and leaving it all behind. Leave, okay. leave all behind. What, what are the things that you're saying we need to leave behind in 2023? Uh, what, are, what are your, if you had to pick two to three bricks, what are those bricks that you're like, okay, these bricks are staying behind. They're not coming with you in 2024. Oh, this is a really good question. Okay, <laughs> so we, I think we as Black people, one, especially Black professionals, need to leave behind imposter syndrome, okay? Yes. I know, we know it exists. We know it happens. We seem to be the only ones talking about it. Just 
act like you know, act like you're going somewhere. Just, just act like <laughs> you know. That's just, and I think that that's important because I think it, it it affects us internally more than it affects other people. And and ultimately, we need to be able to say like, you know, move with fear. I'm a very big move with fear type of person. Um, and just pretend like the imposter syndrome is there. Leave that shit behind. Okay, yeah. let it go. Um, yeah. Two veneers. Let's leave that in 2020. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Veneers are plaguing the black community. We don't need them. Okay. Throw, a little, okay. throw a little braces on the teeth and call it a day. Oh, <laughs> right? hey, hey, Fantasia, Fantasia's rocking the bottom row, you know? So yeah, you know, it, it is okay. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. And just by the way, she's like killing a, that. She's killing the purple, the color purple press run, by the way. Oh my yeah. gosh. It, oh, oh my God, they all are. Chloe Bailey, like, uh. Cannot yeah. wait. I'm also a musical person, so I'm definitely going to be in there. Turning the right. color purple into a musical is definitely a, an interesting move, but that's another conversation. <laughs> well, you know, I can I can say this now and also too, like, you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but I, I, I did see it. Um, I saw oh. an early screening of it and I can tell you it is it is it is hands down very well done. It'll be a staple within our community in terms of like everything. I will say I did forget which which I'm like, man, I wish I was a little bit more prepared because I did, and for my listeners, I did forget what a deep and heavy movie it mm -hmm. was. I mm -hmm. forgot about that because I was thinking the same thing, like music and, yep. you know, Taraji, but like, so, yep. that, so I will say like trigger alert, that deep yeah. part of it is definitely in there, which yeah. it, it threw me for a loop. Um, but it is an amazing movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm ready. I'm definitely very ready. <laughs> that is, I'm also a very big like movie goer. I love kind of like, that's a big way that I kind of date myself is like taking myself yeah. to the movie. Um, and that is definitely one that I have been looking forward to seeing 100%. I just love black excellence. Like just a whole bunch of like black excellence in one space. <laughs> what? I am in there. Okay. Absolutely in there. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, thank you so much. So, um, you know, one of the things that we love to talk about on this show, especially going into next year, is a topic that we hope that more people think about. Obviously, we talk about Black Joy and we talk about professionalism, but what was the last great vacation you went on? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm a very big traveler. Um, so this year I have, I went to Alaska, which nice. I know- Northern Lights? No, so I did not get to, I didn't go that far up. So okay. there's definitely, yeah, because um, Alaska is very, very big. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So I didn't go that far up. And I know most of the black people who are listening to this are like, absolutely not. Who is trying to go on vacation <laughs> to a cold place? We don't want to do that. Um, but I implore you, my I implore you, my black people, to please. The Caribbean is not the only place we can go. <laughs> we can go to other places. Go to other places. Um, and it was it was beautiful. It was very different than anything that I've ever seen. Nice. Um, and I think that that stark difference in what is like I guess just normally seen um, is is very hard hitting and. It's also a really great opportunity. Um, I am very big on um, just indigenous roots in this country and really understanding like the stories of indigenous people, um, the native Americans and Alaska has a very large native population. Um, and I was really attracted to hearing more about their stories and more about how they see their culture, how they see life on the reservations, how they see just 
life in America currently. Um, and that was a really great opportunity in Alaska. Um, and that coupled with like, I got to see a whale. <laughs> Real life. Jump up out the water. Like this is stuff that you really only, I'm, I live in New Jersey. Yeah. So I can tell you right now, ain't nothing happening here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I got to go to a place where I got to see a whale jump up out of the water. And like, realistically, one day I'm going to be telling my children who will probably be up in New Jersey themselves, there's yeah. so much more to life. You should go see it. And they're going to be yeah. like, what? You know? <laughs> so yes. Um, no. so that was the last great vacation. I would say that was the best vacation I took. I also went to Vegas and you know, just got into a whole bunch of debauchery and yeah. just, yeah. there's always room for that as well. Oh, 100%, 100%, especially when you're in Vegas. And I mean, you know, you can't talk about 2023 without talking about Usher's run, I think, and his residency, which was absolutely amazing. I'm so looking forward to his halftime performance. Oh my goodness. Um, I know it's going to be just outstanding because he has that, you know, he has all those elements from Vegas versus his career. And it's like yeah. a whole moment. So um, I am going to call it that it may be one of the best halftime shows that we ever see. I so. agree. I yeah. agree. Um, and this is something my fiance laughs about all the time. But one of my biggest regrets this year was that we did not see Usher. Um, and I will never let it go. I will never yeah. let it go. Like, that is something that I would have dropped all the bread on. Okay. Like, I don't know if you've seen those TikToks where they have their card out and then, yeah. Like, Usher, take this card, you know? <laughs> Um, and yeah, so when we went, we went in August. It was my gift to my fiance for his birthday. And Usher actually took the month of August off. Um, and I was like, okay, because this is really just how my life works. So, yeah. so yes, um, I'm very excited for his halftime show. I am hoping and praying that he does another residency somewhere because that would be an exceptional part of like just my overall, like I'm a millennial raised with Usher. Like he continues to make music into adulthood. I think he has one of the longest career spans in terms of like how it aligns with my life mm -hmm. um and it would be an incredible opportunity to go see him oh yeah absolutely well you know it it is rumored i am not the source here sometimes i'm the source and i could call it <laughs> supposed to be going on tour um and announcing this world tour um after uh, you know, the halftime show. So maybe you'll still get your opportunity, not Vegas, but you know, maybe you can go to another country and see him. So I'm going to call it. I would like I'm to, about to be all up under his Instagram comments. I, I do said that you go on <laughs> <the> tour. <laughs> Where is the tour announcement? I'm trying to see. Listen, look, 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 look. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, you know, 2023, I think, has just been um very interesting year we talk about pop culture entertainment we also talk about just professionally work um and i think that a downside to 2023 has 100% been you know a, a lot of the mass layoffs that took place you know we are still in a state of economic recovery um you know based on your i think not only your resume but also i know different podcasts that you've been on uh you're you're very very informed um i think when it comes to like overall job searching as well as um overall interview process what advice would you give to someone that's currently potentially you know on the hunt right now are there any tips and tricks you know to to landing that spot that you have found helpful in your career 
Um, because you know now that that pool has certainly exceeded, I think what the average person wants to be in, and especially within the black community, you may not have that one degree uh, of separation. You know, when it comes to saying, "Hey, can you put my name up for this?" So, what advice would you give to someone? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think especially like the the economy that we're navigating currently. I think my number one piece of advice would be if you are not navigating this process with a therapist in your back pocket, you are doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Um, because a lot of this feels very personal. Like I, I, I can say in a lot of ways, I'm extremely lucky and blessed to still have a job um to even i you know i was recently promoted this year and i oh, even congratulations yes <laughs> um i was even that was insane to me um because i also was biting my nails like you know pretty much thinking like this i i i've only been in corporate now for about two years um but i guess i ultimately know that that comes down to a lot of luck right and there are so many people who are so like ready for their next opportunity. They have done their due diligence. They have reviewed their resume multiple times. So I think a big thing is ensuring that you have someone to unpack a lot of this with, because it is something that you cannot internalize. Um, because in a lot of ways, it does not have anything to do with your level of preparedness or deserve, like, or what you deserve in terms of your career. Um, so I think a big element of navigating this current econo economy is making sure that you have somebody to unpack a lot of this with. Um, two, I'm a big proponent of personal branding, especially, especially for black professionals. I think that we have long surpassed the time where we allow paper to speak for us in terms of what our skills are and what our knowledge areas are. Um, and I think we have, done ourselves a disservice trying to play the game at the same way our white counterparts do. Yeah. Um, and so I would also suggest if this is a time to, even if it's just to kind of chronicle your experiences with the job search, talk a little bit about how you are preparing not only for the job, but continuing to cultivate your skills in your area, please look into establishing a personal brand. And that could mean anything from posting on social media to I've created my own personal brand website to I am writing short blog posts, right? Like put yourself out there, let your name be synonymous with what your area of knowledge is um, so that folks can now find you and come to you versus hoping your resume crosses their desk. Yeah. Um, and then lastly is, and I think this is a big gap for a lot of professionals, um, just period, is really knowing how to translate your skills and translate what your success is, right? Um, and I think that that is way more than what you have done in any one role or any one job. Um, and I think just societally, we have been taught that if it's not something we have been paid full time for, it doesn't count. <laughs> and that is not true, especially considering that a growing number of millennials are currently in the job market right now um, and experiencing layoffs. And we are the generation that has the most side hustles, the most side jobs, the most like we are constantly doing things like we are so much more than our nine to fives. Um, yeah. Really finding ways to incorporate your skills into your resume um, so that folks can see the, the, the full nature of who you are and how you might contribute to their company is going to be a big element as well. Um, yeah. When I was 
pivoting from higher education into corporate, um, I was actually really afraid about whether or not I would be competitive in the market because I did not have a marketing degree. Um, and a majority of my experience was entrepreneurship, which was in and of itself just not a full-time job, right? Um, but as an entrepreneur, I actually was able to cultivate way more skills, I would say, than a lot of my counterparts who have started and continue to kind of run in corporate spaces um, because they are so incredibly niche um, versus an entrepreneur who has to have like kind of their hands in multiple buckets in order to make all the buckets swing. Um, yeah. So please, please think about your skills in terms of who you are and less about what you have done in full-time paid roles. Um, because a lot of the time we are way more than just what our resume says. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And I really, really love that first part that you said of, you know, really having somebody to um, unpack it with in mm -hmm. terms of like what that happens, because no matter what, like, you know, even the, 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 the 15,000 people that are getting laid yeah. off at certain places, you still feel it is personal, yes. you know, which you never know, it may be. And I think that that's worth explaining too, but I do think being able to talk about it with someone is good. And also too, to, to be able to explain your skills, um, yep. that's the other thing that you wanna be able to do. So, ah, you know what? Tamika, I think we gotta have a part two because I mean, this has been, this has been <laughs> an honor. I appreciate it. And I look forward to now staying in touch for sure. I know Absolutely. Um, industry, but before you get out of here, I have to ask you the question that we always love to ask our guests on this show. We call it a dose of black joy and caffeine because you are the joy. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'm the caffeine because I could be a little extra at times. <laughs> You had to give a dose of anything to our listeners going into 2023. What would you like to give our listeners a dose of for the culture that you feel the culture is lacking? Hmm, a dose of self-affirmation. There you go. That's exactly what I would give. I give that to all Black people this, this Christmas, this holiday season, um, <laughs> is really being affirmed in and of yourself. Um, please understand your capability. Please understand what you can bring to the world. Um, do not look at yourself through the lens of others because yeah. your lens is clear enough. There you go. I love that. For the people listening at home, what's the best way that people can get in contact with you? Now, let me throw out this disclaimer first because we've had a little controversy in the past. There is no promise that Tamika will be able to reach out, not because she doesn't want to, but because she's very busy and it's also holiday season. So, <laughs> hey, I heard you on Just Justin the Deuce podcast, like just. Let's be nice, listeners. <laughs> no, that makes complete sense. Please find me on social media. That's where I'm yapping. Okay. That's where I'm chatting. That's where I'm doing too much. Um, LinkedIn is more of my professional side. I try to keep things a little buttoned up there. Um, but I am on Instagram, acting fool. So definitely find me there as well. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you once again for coming on. And thank you all for listening. As always, stay safe, drink a ton of water, and remember that you deserve a dose of black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I am a Duke.